Are you looking for a practice coach? If you are, go to ptpracticesuccess.com. At the very top of the page, there's a button. Just click on that to find out more. Welcome to the PT Practice Success Podcast. My name is Sean Kirk, CEO of PT Practice Success. In this podcast, we're going to be going over a variety of different things that can help you with your practice. I hope you enjoy what's coming. I have an interesting question I'd like to toss out to you. Here it is. Could you survive without insurance? Could you? Could you make a go of it? Would our profession survive? I don't know. In a lot of ways, I doubt it. Let me tell you a little bit of story here that leads to this particular podcast today. Yesterday, I had a call with one of my clients that worked with this client for probably 15 to 18 years. And in this particular call on Zoom, we had their four clinic directors. And we were going over some things to kind of prepare ourselves for 2022 and reimbursement reinductions and how do we handle that? How do we maximize our productivity? What kind of things that we can do so that our, our, our particular clinics are generating as much or more revenue? Well, we bounced around a couple of ideas. Some of them were very good. One of the clinic directors, however, said, we probably need to get into more cash-based services. So as soon as that was mentioned, the owner says, whoa, wait a minute, guys, let's just stop that conversation right now. Look, I've put through, I can't tell you how many clinicians into how uh, dry needling certification. And we've had cold laser. We've had these services for some time that are cash-based. And everybody was electrified. Nobody could sell it. That, you know, it doesn't matter if we have cash-based services, can we sell those things? And that's really our problem. So then that kind of took over the rest of the conversation on our call about, can we sell and why can't we? And so, you know, you could, should be able to sell anything you have conviction in, right? So these clinicians that had gone off and gotten certified in dry needling feel very confident using dry needling as a tool that could help people recover faster, maybe knock off a visitor or two off their care. But whatever they're doing, they can't sell it. Well, I understand that. We don't have to make that um, something bad about the clinician because they have challenges or difficulties selling a cash-based services. They just never were trained to do that. In all my years as being a PT before becoming a practice consultant, you know, there was insurance. We had co-pays and deductibles. It was pretty simple. Reimbursement was pretty good, you know? So it wasn't that hard of a problem, and and patients didn't kind of pay that much out of pocket. Today, patients are used to paying a lot of money out of pocket. I mean, you can go to the doctor with an insurance plan and still pay $100 when you walk out the door, and you're like, how did that even happen? I have an insurance plan. Sometimes all we pay for is an insurance card, not even an insurance plan, just the card. Um But here we have a situation where we're going to have some declining reimbursement. Compensation, um, I mean, myself, everybody I've ever met wants to see that increase. So if your compensation is going to rise and and go to, you know, a higher level, how are we going to do that with a shrinking reimbursement per visit? Well, we do that by more productivity, you know, managing our overhead smartly, sensible marketing, reactivating past patients and getting referrals from past patients, but selling cash-based services. So we need to know how. 
So when I decided to sell my practice and start a consulting career, I figured I would just have a sensible conversation with the practice owner, go over, you know, where their stress points are with their practice, some things that we could do that can help them, tell them how much it is, and then take his credit card. I kind of thought it was going to be like that. I know it was naive, but that's what I thought um, because I was pretty confident of how to help a practice grow and expand. I knew what I was doing, so I figured, why not? Well, it didn't go well. It didn't go well for me at all. It's almost like my my story in getting new clients is maybe your story of selling dry needling. But I would sit down with a practice owner, and I would deliver a one-day workshop in his office on practice management. It would always go over well. I've done this for 20 years. It would go over very well. The staff are excited. They see where they fit, uh, what kind of opportunities could be there for them in the future. Uh, the owner's able to see who really wants to put their shoulder to the wheel and who actually just says they want to put their shoulder to the wheel. It, it inspires the group and it definitely inspires the practice owner. But it's a $695 intro service with an intention to find a would-be client that I like, a would-be client who also likes me, and that we see working together can allow the practice owner to reach higher goals. From there, we work out a more extensive program and sign a contract, and I get the credit card again. But what would happen is the intro service was very well accepted. I'd sit down with the owner. We'd talk about the practice needs and issues, areas where they might be losing money or running inefficiently, perhaps overstaffed, perhaps underutilized staff. And all of that presentation would go over extremely well. But when it came time to say, how much is it? Whatever I said was always met with, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. I'm not so sure that's really what we need. When five minutes before I told them the price, it was exactly what they needed. They even said so. I realized I needed to do something different. Um, I can't keep applying the same solution to a problem that doesn't solve, right? So I needed to do something. Fortunately, I got a phone call from a friend who happens to be a very good salesperson. And so she's on the phone with me and asking me how it's going, making the transition from being a private practitioner to a practice consultant. And I said, uh, I suck at this. You know, I'm having a challenge. Goes, why? I mean, why wouldn't you not be able to help somebody? It's not a matter of, can I help someone? It's that I, I somehow can't get the guy to make the decision that he wants to work with me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And she says, well, okay. Well, um, let me just ask you a couple questions. I go, okay. She says, now, when you've presented your program and what you would do for a client based on your findings, um, how well is it received? I said, it's received really well. I mean, a lot of agreement. It makes sense. You know, they're nodding their heads. They're like, yeah, we, we, my gosh, we really need this. This would make such a big difference. And then, okay. And then she says, well, how about when they ask how much it costs. I go, well, that's where I lose it. She goes, okay, so let's just do a little role play. All right. She says, okay, I'm going to be the clinician, the owner, and uh, you've already presented your program to me, exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, who you're going to work with, how many hours you're going to spend, whatever. And and I actually am showing strong interest. I'm asking good, intelligent questions, and I 
I'm interested in working with you. Okay. I said, all right. She goes, okay, so now I'm going to ask you how much is it? So what kind of number do you want to tell me? I go, I don't know. Let's say 10,000. She goes, okay. I'm going to say, how much is it? And you're going to say $10,000. And then we'll take it from there. I go, okay. And she says, how much is it? I said, uh, it's $10,000. But what I'm going to be doing with you is, is we're going to be working with your staff. We'll be coming in on a regular basis. And she says, stop, stop, stop. That's a flunk. You made a grave mistake. I said, I did? What are you talking about? She says, look, you've already presented the program. You've answered all of my questions. I've expressed strong interest in doing it and working with you. There's no reason after you tell me the price that you need to say all that again. Because as soon as you tell me how much it costs, the next thought I have is, is it worth $10,000? Do I have $10,000? Where would I get $10,000? Do I have to use my line of credit? Could I just use a low interest credit card? Will my wife kill me? right? All these thoughts go through somebody's mind. And so if you keep talking while they're thinking, you're going to lose the sale. So I want to let you know something. The first one that speaks when you have your prospect very interested in the service is the one that will lose. So if you tell the prospect how much something is and then start talking right after you said it, you're going to lose the sale. But if you tell them how much it's going to cost and you stay quiet and you wait for the prospect to communicate first, they're more likely to buy. I thought that was kind of odd. Didn't kind of make a lot of sense to me, but it saved my bacon. The very next day, I was delivering a one-day seminar to an oral surgeon's office. Big office. It was another $695 one-day practice management workshop. I was super excited about delivering it. I worked with an executive assistant and she and I would go together. And I said to Patricia, there might be an uncomfortable period where I'm talking to the doctor after the seminar about our services, where there might be a long period of silence. Don't say anything. She goes, what? I go, I don't have time to explain. Let's go, right? So we delivered, again, the one-day workshop. Again, landed very well. Doctor saw a lot of things that he could do from the data that I shared that could really help the practice. The staff was excited as well. Afterwards, we went to his office. I went over where his metrics uh, were hitting, where they could be, and the revenue he could be losing by just not hitting those positions. Recognition of that there was a few staff members that wanted to step up into bigger roles that could really help steer and take some pressure off of him. He was completely excited. He was totally blown away. So here's my chance to try my say nothing drill. So at one point he says, how much is it? And I told him how much it was. And it wasn't necessarily cheap. And he just looked at me. I, let's, say, let's say I said it was $12,000. I said, well, Dr. Perry, it's $12,000. And I'm looking right at him. Pleasantly. He's looking right back at me. Not saying a word waiting for me to say something else. I, I totally could see that he was waiting for me to say something else, like say something to help me get out of this, right? I didn't. I was just quiet. And I just looked at him. And then he looks away as though he's having a thought. Then he looks back and he goes, well, that's a lot of money. And I just looked at him. 
And I didn't defend why I'm charging that amount because I've already presented what it was. So I just looked at him and he looked away again. And he just looked back at me and I just pleasantly looked at him. I don't say a thing. And he goes, that's a lot. It really is a lot of money. And I nodded my head. Yes, it is a lot of money. Then he turned his head again, like he's thinking. And then he said, I'll probably have to tap my line of credit a little bit for this. Then he looks back at me for me to say something. I don't say anything. I just nodded my head. And, uh, and then he goes, okay, let's do it. He put his hand out and he shook my sweaty hand. And that's why I'm talking to you today. It was one tool, one simple tool that helped me immensely. I can't say I handled it perfectly, but I was so literal of what this lady said. Don't say anything. I was like, I'm not saying anything. Right. So, uh, we get out to the car and my assistant, Patricia goes, my God, how long was that silence? And I said, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds. You know, it just, it seemed like an hour and a half, this odd silence that I needed to fill. So how does that work for you? How could that story help you? Well, let me share. Let's say you have cash-based services. Let's, let's just pick dry needling, okay? Because um, a lot of people are doing that and it's cash-based. So you're doing dry needling. You believe in it. You're trained in it. You're certified in it. You know how much it can help a patient. Here's where we mess up, is we'll say things in the presentation of the dry needling approach that makes the patient say no. You basically hand-delivered their most major objection, which is the objection that you personally have when you present, here's how it's done, here's how it's done wrongly, okay? You'll say, well, Mrs. Smith, what we really would like to do is dry needling. Um, Now, it's not covered by your insurance, um, so it would be a cash-based service, but what it does is X, Y, Z, and then you start talking. You've fed them the objection right away before you've enlightened them on the value of dry needling, the benefits of dry needling, the fact that it could get their pain under control faster, perhaps reduce the amount of visits to physical therapy and get them able to move on a higher level of a rehab program because the pain is not coming under control. But we didn't do that. We right away said, yeah, your insurance doesn't cover this, but let me tell you why I think it's a good idea. Here's what you do. You have to flip it. You just have to flip it. So you have Mrs. Smith, you know, okay, Mrs. Smith, um, I want to go over something is a new technology here we've been utilizing for some time with, with tremendous results. It's called dry needling. And then you present what dry needling does, its benefits, how it works, whatever physiology explanation or whatever you have to share with the patient to make them like want it, to make them go, oh my God, well, you mean it's like almost putting a key in a lock? Many times it is, and just push, everything just relaxes. The pain begins to ease, your shoulders drop. You know, I mean, it's not like the heavens open up or something like that, but it's a big improvement in your condition. And I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't believe it would be something that you should do. Wow. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Would you be interested in this? Oh, yeah. I totally would want that. Um, can we do it today? Well, we could do it today, but I have to talk to you about something else. Now, this program isn't covered by your insurance, unfortunately. These injections are not covered. Um, Why am I talking to you? Why don't I just stay within the realms of your insurance? Well, I could. I totally can. If you want me to do that, I totally will. But I've explained this to you 
does it make sense to you? And she says, yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. I mean, you were totally in agreement until this point. So, you know, what do you think about what questions might you have? And eventually she's going to say, how much is it? And then you say, whatever that is, if it's per injection or you sell a package of five or something like that, or the first one's free little girl or something like that. I don't know, but whatever your quote package is, you state it and then you say nothing. You state it, right? It's, you know, $40 an injection. We normally do two per visit and say nothing. Or it's $40 or whatever the number is, it's $40. And in your plan, we would do five of them. And then you say nothing. Or you say, we, we will do one at $50. If it helps you tremendously, then you're going to see the value in it. If it doesn't, then we'll stop. How's that? Say nothing after that. Whatever the offer is, whatever the pricing structure is, state it, say nothing. That silence can go a very long way in getting the patient um, to say yes. But if you don't do the enlightenment before you start talking the cost, you have a problem. It's it's similar to when a patient calls the office and wants to come to PT and they go, well, how much is my out-of-pocket before they come? They don't show up. Or they start talking money before they show up. They oftentimes don't show up. Now, if the receptionist can handle that consideration in a way without necessarily getting them to confront the dollars before they've seen how great their care and their clinician is, then they're more apt to confront the dollars. So the enlightenment always comes before the sale. So if you want to become good at selling cash-based services, there's a couple of things that has to happen. You have to be able to communicate the thing that you want to sell in a manner in which the person who receives it wants it. Now, wants it is different than understands it. Right, Like, oh, that sounds interesting. I, I'm going to start looking up some of that stuff on the internet, right? No, they like want that. Can I get that here? You're certified to do that? Oh, yeah, there's only a certain number of people that are certified. Oh, my God. Yeah, specialized training. And whoa, well, okay. I mean, can I get it here? I mean, can I get it today or do I have to come back another day? <laughs> you know, they're going to stroke a check, right? That's going to happen. But first You have to sell. They have to want it. If you're a a business owner, if you're an executive, you're selling ideas all day long. You're going over something with your staff and getting your staff to want it in order to make change, in order to improve your organization. Okay, guys, from now on, we're doing X. We're going to do Y. We're going to do Z. And yeah, high five, right? That's what you want. If you can't sell it, then you're mandating it. Then you're just like dropping musts down on your group, right? It doesn't go very well. And a, a good executive is an awesome salesperson. Now, if you want to be good at sales, if you're a cash-based practice and you're you're not bad in sales, but you'd like to take it to the next level, you should reach out to me. I have a patient compliance course, which is basically a sales course. If you say, come and do the sales course for physical therapists, no one will show up. You say, here's a course on improving your patient compliance. People show up, right? So it's how to sell 
the value of physical therapy. If you're a cast-based practice and you're getting in front of people and you're doing, you know, initial eval and one visit and then they're gone kind of thing, but they still need more care, but they back out because it's cash. Well, you need to dial it up. You need to sell the value of the service. And we can help you with that. But if you, and if you're in insurance world, great. I'd prefer that you are. But strengthen your sales skills. It's going to be something you're going to be experiencing the need to have in the new year. I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for hanging in there and catching this particular podcast. I hope you got some things out of this that you can apply to your practice. Here's what I'd like you to do next. I'd like you to go to ptpracticesuccess.com. If what I've been saying to you in these podcasts have been resonating with you and you would like to know me better, if you would like to just have my ear, throw out some things that are concerning you and perhaps get some advice that could help you make an appointment. I will tell you it's the number one way in which I do get new clients, but I won't waste your time. I will help you regardless of whether we ever work together or not. So go to ptpracticesuccess.com and let's set up a time to chat. If you like what you heard today, consider our coaching program. Go to ptpracticesuccess.com and click on the link at the top of the page.